What is up, guys? Welcome to Talk Flagler Weekly News Update. I'm your host, Chris Gollin, cultural and political writer for AskFlagler.com. Hope everybody's having a great week, a great start to the week. I hope everyone's loving this nice, colder weather like I am. At least it's kind of cold at the time of this recording. Uh, If I know Flagler County, it will have gotten up to 85 degrees again by the time this episode airs. But uh, certainly a nice beginning to the fall slash winter season. So I uh, got a few news stories just to uh, make you guys aware of before we get started today. Um, definitely after I, I do it, stay tuned. We have an interview with Neilan Joseph from the Flagler County Emergency Planning Department. So uh, it's a great interview. I know you guys are going to love it. But uh, a couple of news stories. I um, can't remember if I mentioned it on the last episode or not, but two first responders from Flagler Beach were given uh, a great honor last week. Uh, Lieutenant Morgan Rainey of the Flagler Beach Fire Department and Detective Rosanna Vinci of the Flagler Beach Police Department were honored at City Hall by the Sons of the American Revolution. Uh, this is a nonpartisan and nonprofit organization uh, founded by direct descendants of American Revolutionary War veterans. They were on hand to honor these two great uh, individuals in Flagler Beach law enforcement. Uh, so hopefully, uh, if you lived in Flagler Beach, you got to make it out to that, but stay tuned because around, you know, later this year in the winter, late, later this year or early next year, we're going to get both of those two on the show. Uh, also going on in the community, um, some new music from local creators. If you're like me and you're a fan of local music makers, uh, two great bands released new uh, new releases last week. Uh, the Ned, a punk rock band, which has been around in Palm Coast probably for about seven or eight years now, uh, put out a new EP called Human. And uh, a brand new duo called Illusion released their debut single, and it is called Go Back to the Valley Kook. So uh, if you have not gotten the chance to hear those, go on our website, uh, check out the article about those and go to wherever you stream music and give them a listen. I promise you will not regret it. Some sad news out of Banel this past week. Sergeant Dominic uh, Guida, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, unfortunately passed away uh, a few days ago after suffering uh, a cardiac event while training with Flagler County deputies at the county training facility. Uh, It is a line of duty death and uh, the sergeant was only 43 years old. So our thoughts and prayers go out to the whole law enforcement community in Bunnell and Flagler County and to the family who uh, lost a, uh, a loved one far too early in his life. If you uh, if you were here in the last couple of weeks, you know that there was a, a crazy nor'easter storm that came through and uh, lowered the temperatures quite a bit, which that much we can take as a silver lining. But it did damage some of Flagler County's coastal parks. Um, parks now without beach access at the time of recording are Bay Drive Park and Jungle Hut Park. There was some damage uh, that was quite severe to the dunes and the sand, uh, some erosion excuse me, some erosion went on there and it was uh, compared by some to Hurricane Matthews. Great damage, which if you lived here for that, you saw all that that did to the dunes along A1A. It it literally took the road into the ocean. Um, But anyway, moving forward, 
also on our website. Uh, if you are politically involved, which everybody should be in their community, you probably voted in last year's 2020 uh, elections. That was on November 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. But um, in addition to voting for president of the United States, um, if you're a, an active member of the community, you'd have seen there are also a lot of uh, down ballot races ranging from U.S. Congress all the way down to mosquito control. And uh, well, not I want to say down to mosquito control, but including also. And uh, if you go on askflagler.com, uh, we did a feature uh, just analyzing what have the people that Flagler County voted in done since that election day. So we can, you know, kind of review the consequences of the local election. Give that a look. If you like what you see, you will have the chance to vote again on some of these guys in uh, in future elections. Uh, if you're not a fan of some of what they, you know, what they have done in office, you will have the chance to vote against them and vote for change. That's the great thing about being politically active is if you don't like it, you have a voice, you know, not only voting, but getting involved with local political organizations, you know, make your voice heard in the community. The more people who do that inherently makes for a stronger community. Without further ado, though, that is most of the uh, news of the community we have coming up. Oh, uh, if you live, let's see, Zaring on Monday. So I hope everyone got to go to the Tommy Tant Surf Contest. Uh, that was a fantastic event. I'm saying I haven't been there yet because this is Friday that I'm recording. So the event hasn't started yet. But this airing in the future, I feel confident in saying that it was a fantastic event. But without further ado, we're going to get to the uh, interview on today's show. We have Neilan Joseph of the Flagler County Emergency Management Department. Mr. Joseph, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the invite. Absolutely. So to start out, um, yesterday at the time of recording was Veterans Day, so I want to thank you for your service. And um, as a first question, I was wondering if you could tell us how your time in the Air Force kind of prepared you for the rest of your professional career. Well, first off, thanks for the support. And I'd like to thank all my other brothers and sisters who um, took the time to support this country and for their sacrifices. Um, the Air Force really did shape everything that I'm doing right now. Um, just It was about taking the critical skills that I learned as a security forces member, as basically law enforcement in the Air Force, and taking that into emergency management by just looking at the the procedures, the way that everything was for us over there, and being able to incorporate that into emergency planning. Um, there's no difference with me pre preparing and giving a tactical plan to a general as there is for me to preparing a emergency evacuation plan and presenting to a county administrator. Hmm. So how did you get into the Air Force? Um, I was actually on par to go into college and run. I was an athlete. I did uh, football, uh, soccer, uh, cross-country track, wow. um, but I ended up going into the Air Force through some unknown call. Something told me that I needed to join the Air Force, and I did. Hmm. Um, and it was a wonderful experience for me. I served 10 years, uh, mostly overseas, served in Korea, Germany, wow. Afghanistan, Turkey, a um, few other places. But it was a whirlwind. It just kind of came and went. And even now, I've been out for seven years, and it feels like it's only been two days. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that, that always seems like people who get to serve in the armed forces, who get to um, serve in all these different locations in the world, there'd be so much to learn from that. You know, having me, I've left the country once 
and it was on a cruise to the Bahamas. So very much the other end of the travel spectrum. But it seems like it would have to be so enlightening to see other cultures like that. It really was. Um, My family's from the Caribbean, so I've been out of the country well before I could even really walk, Mm -hmm. um, traveling back and forth to Trinidad and Tobago and other places where my family has uh, been in Canada and stuff like that. Um, But living overseas, living in Europe, living in Asia, and the time that I spent in the Middle East really shows, you know, how how cultures can mesh and how different we all are, but then also the similarities. And when it comes down to it, we're all, you know, one people. And it, it's really nice to see that no matter where I go, I can be just as accepted as I am in my home country. Absolutely. Where's your family from in the Caribbean? Uh, my family's from Trinidad and Tobago, both of my parents, okay. um, by way of several different islands. My grandfather is from India and um, his parents also from my grandmother from Venezuela, my mom's grandmother from uh, San, I'm sorry, Antigua and Barbados, and you know, just we're all over the place. Yeah. At what point did you move to Flagler County for the first time? I moved here in 2018 when I took the job with the county. Oh, okay. So this is after your service, after yes. you served in the Air Force. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where did you go to high school? Where I went to high school in Point Siena, Florida. Where's that? In the state? Um, just due south of Orlando, uh, sister city of Kissimmee. Oh, right. So. When I have to narrow it down, it's like, where are you from? Orlando. Oh, what part of Orlando? Kissimmee. Oh, really? Kissimmee, where? Poinciana. That's yeah. usually how the conversation goes. When did you get into Orlando? There's like tiers of cities almost. Yes, it's like Orlando down to Longwood or something. Mm-hmm. And now blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, there's some great schools in there. I played um, track and field for FBC. Mm-hmm. So we got to do a little bit of traveling to, um, you know, around the Orlando area mm-hmm. for different events. Um, one really good one was Bowles up in Jacksonville, that high school. I don't know if you've ever made it up there. I have not. It was amazing because there was a guy, um, Chipper Jones went there who became a hall of famer for the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> and he, I'm pretty sure he just put all kinds of money back into it. I'm sure he did once he kind of got huge, but yeah, it's, there's, it, it's really, really, um, neat, you know, being like an athlete in high school, seeing how just vary the different schools are, but yeah, a little, little tangent there. So, um, you left the Air Force and it was 2014? Yes. And then you became emergency planner. When was that? In 2018. Okay, 2018. What did you do in the interim? Uh, in the interim, when I got out, I went back to school, American Military University. I started off doing a psychology degree, uh, focused okay. on behavioral psychology. Uh, my intent was to hopefully join the FBI. And my last two classes of my psychology degree were psychology of emergency management and psychology of disaster and psychology of terrorism. And it Mm -hmm. opened up the door to emergency management to me. So then I completed that degree and immediately enrolled in a second bachelor's for emergency management, finished that in nine or 10 months, and then started applying for emergency management jobs. What does that entail, the psychology of emergency management? Because I've never heard of that as like a field. Oh, I'm sorry. It's actually, it was um, psychology of the emergency, sorry, psychology of disaster and psychology of terrorism is what got me into emergency management. Okay. I yeah. just said it, the psychology of emergency management before. No, but but yeah, 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 tell me about those. Um, so psychology of terrorism was an interesting uh, course. It changed my mindset on what terrorism is. Now, for individuals who commit those types of acts, it is a logical decision for them. It is not irrational. There is a solid foundation that they firmly believe that what they are going to do is going to give them the end result that they want because they have tried other other avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we heard the story that happened. I can't remember which city it was, but the killdozer. 
where there was a, yeah. Yeah. And you know, that gentleman tried every single action that he could to get the city to help him as a business owner. And they failed him time and time again. And he eventually turned to fortifying a bulldozer and terrorizing the town that he lived in because he was unable if they put basically put him out of business situation. And that's what happens with those individuals. Now, I don't sympathize with them. I, I firmly condemn their actions. I believe that there are actually you have to keep doing it, but taking the lives of innocence, not the way to do it. But it is a completely logical decision for me getting inside that mindset and really understanding them. It's, it's, it's intriguing. Yeah, that was that was a crazy story. I think I want to say Minnesota. Without, I might be wrong. Someone could fact check me on yeah. that. It seems like is maybe Minnesota. I don't know, but there there is a lot of yeah. uh, of nuance mm-hmm. to people doing incredibly irrational things. And I feel like if you don't make the effort to get in their minds and figure out what led them there, you know, it's something as a society you'll be destined to repeat. Exactly. And it, it's not. It's like say it's not the same as uh, endorsing it mm-hmm. to say, you know, they're they're they might have had valid emotions that we could have gotten to before the uh, the horrible event. Exactly. And that's one of the things that really intrigued me about it is that the fact if we can understand what it took for them to make this logical decision, then there are interventions, ways that we need to work our society to making things better for us to work through those problems. And that's where you have to find that middle ground. Almost terrorism is all political. There's, it, it, there's nothing else to it. It's always political motives. And when you see that this is the end result, then there has to be some point that the catalyst that you can prevent this from happening by changing your processes or like really trying to find that middle ground, that compromise. The art of the deal is, is, is important. And if no one walks away from a deal happy, that's when you know you have a good deal. And there's so much we've gone away from that to where it has to be one-sided to it benefits every one person. It doesn't benefit the other. And when that happens, then you leave these rifts open for people to resort to violence. And it's, really sad when it can be prevented if we can just find that means to cooperate with each other. See, how as a society can we um, sort of proactively reach people who who have that potential to be become, for lack of a better word, radicalized? Like, how do you how do you address that while they're still reachable? In my opinion, the best way to do that is to to be empathetic and listen. You know, if it's a serious enough issue for someone to start committing violent acts, then it's something that's seriously affecting their livelihood, their lives. Mm-hmm. So you have to address the root cause of it. And that's that involves bringing people to the table and listening and trying to work out problems and not dismissing. Just because something has always been done a certain way doesn't mean it's the best action. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's the best way forward. So when you have these roadblocks that someone is saying, hey, the city is supposed to do this for me and they're not they're not doing it. The city's just like, well, we've always done it this way. And then it's affecting their livelihood and they keep getting shut down and they keep getting told no. And there's no compromise there. There's nothing to help them. And then they get radicalized and then they go against the government. Then you you can't sit there and say, oh, we don't know how this happened. Mm -hmm. Do you know how it happened? By the fact that you were unable to be empathetic with this person and try to work an issue of something else for them. That's how it happened. You know who that reminds me of? Have you ever heard of Daryl Davis? No. He's a a gentleman who, back I think dating back to, I want to say the 70s or 80s, he was a a blues, classic rock keyboardist. And he uh, he was a black man. And he began in his life meeting and befriending members of the Klan and 
just having conversations with him. And he says he doesn't set out to, you know, bring them away from it, but just having conversations, getting to know them, talking to them. And in his life, he like, he, he did wind up getting a lot of people to leave it just by saying, it's like, here I am, you know, having them actually people who maybe never had that conversation with the people they profess to hate that first experience of like, it changes things for a lot of people. I haven't heard his name, but I have heard the story. of you him. Heard yeah. yeah, I have heard the story of him. And um, it's something that I try to also model myself with my life as. Uh, my Facebook is a hot ticket when it comes to politics. I am an independent. I, I vote my conscience based upon, I don't care about party. It's left or right. I care about the issues themselves and that's how I vote. But I address issue, issues head on. And I invite people to talk to me about it. I have a lot of friends on both sides that say, why do you start these political storms by talking about the issues? Like, in my opinion, silence is what keeps us segregated. Silence is what keeps us apart. Um, you know, for a hundred years between, um, you know, was it our, the Emancipation Proclamation and um, desegregation, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, a hundred years you know, of silence and we were segregated because of that. But if we actually sit there and take the time to actually work with each other and talk each other issues out, then we can actually try to find that common ground. So I'm open to talking to anyone about anything. Um, I want to hear your perspective. If I don't understand your perspective, my mind's never going to change. And if I only surround myself with people who are against or who are with me, then it becomes an echo chamber. Nothing ever changes. We just feed off each other. You need those outside voices. You need to see that other perspective to, to change your mind on things. I, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. It's um, a lot of people who I think become um, entangled with ideologies, with, with parties, with ideas that are uh, what we would consider radical. I think maybe they didn't have, like no one ever listened to them. Mm -hmm. And so they, if they have it in their mind that they, the other side of the aisle is, it doesn't care about them. The cure for that would be to, to care about them. Okay. I, I would tend to think is to have that, you know, have the communication and we live in social media now where communication is easier than ever. It's, it's its own industry. It is, you know, just, just people, you know, engaging with others. And it can obviously be used for, Horrible things for misinformation and uh, and whatnot, but it can be used for to help the situation. Again, yeah, absolutely. And um, I also another thing that reminded me of is I, I this past year I got to read the autobiography of John Lewis. That man, the you know the civil rights, yeah, he his capacity to listen and love the people who are doing terrible things to him is nothing short of incredible. The people who, you know, at the height of the civil rights movement, you know, he was you know, locking arms with King, the things like he had his, his skull was broken by the butt of a rifle in Alabama and he would never raise a finger. That is outstanding. And that, that attitude, it's still applicable today. To instead of you know responding to fire with fire, to um, to not sink to that level, and if you if you give that kind of energy back, I think even to people who are doing terrible things, after a while, you know, they, they can only be evil and violent into a void for so long. Mm -hmm. If they're not getting it back, I feel like it does eventually. You know, it, it works itself out of society over the long term. I think I, I agree, and. Um... You know, going back to talking about what it's logical 
thinking or why people resort to violence and terrorism. Um, even Dr. King said it said uh, riots are the, the voice of the unheard, you know, mm-hmm. uh, violence is the voice of the unheard. And, and it's true when people are unheard and they're, they're trying, then it becomes that it's not that we should go to that anyways. Um, we're hoping to prevent that, but you have to understand that if it's gotten to this point, there were measures to be taken before it got there. Yeah, absolutely. Like you hear about people who are in any number of mm-hmm. terrible groups and organizations who later in their lives renounce it and become forces for good. Mm-hmm. What that establishes is there are people with tremendous capacities for good who are just they're they're growing up in this environment where they are reachable. Mm-hmm. It is worth the effort to to try and do that if you get one person out of there. But you know, it, it just goes to show people aren't born with these ideologies, nope. and therefore they can be led out of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Yeah. So um, shifting gears a little bit, uh, the first I ever saw of you was in June at the county commission meeting. You were named valedictorian of the Flagler County Leadership Academy. Tell me a little bit about what it was like going through that course and some important things you took away from it. Um, The Leadership Academy was a product, I believe, our former county administrator, uh, Jerry Harriman, brought to the table along with uh, Professor Saviak. and it was the idea was to develop our, our future leaders and develop our current leaders and develop future leaders um, for taking the reins in, in leadership in, in our organization throughout Flagler County. Now, it's not just within the county, it's the property appraiser's office, the sheriff's office, school board, tax collector, all the different entities of Flagler County to bring us all together and, and propel us forward. We learned a lot about leadership. We took time. We had over eight books that we had to read, a couple hundred thousand words. It was it was a lot. Um, and it was time intensive. We had an hour of our county time and then an hour of personal time every Thursday for uh, several weeks, uh, several months, actually. And it was really nice to sit down with people from different fields, different, uh, you know, disciplines and learn what leadership styles, what works for them, what the things that the issues that they're facing. And as a leader, you have to be adaptable. Um, I spent 10 years in the air force and law enforcement, you know, my leadership skills and the things that I, the way I take away taking charge is completely different than somebody who say works in finance. You know, the things that they, the issues that they have to deal with, they're not things that I would normally think of. But as I progress, if I become um, a director or an administrator, any position like that, you have to learn those different things. You have to learn finance. You have to learn taxes and, and documents, building records and all these different things, all these different fallacies that we have to go into um, and um and, and eliminate those, you know, those, those background things. Oh, this doesn't apply to me or this does apply to me as leaders. And it took us to the next level, gave us a little step up and provided us with a lot of knowledge going forward. Uh, I think the biggest thing I took away from it was the fact that, you know, to be a leader is not something that's just handed to you. It's not just saying like, oh, it's not a stepping stone. It's not that I, I, I served 15 years in this company. I deserve to be the CEO. It's not about that. Leadership requires sacrifice, you know, and it's something that is very important to me that people take for granted. They think that, oh, I'm the boss. I can do whatever I want. No, you're the boss. You're supposed to take care of everyone else so they can do what they want and then they can get the job done. Hmm. Um, 
And I think in abundance of agreement with the rest of my team that I went through this course with, I think we'd all agree that the people are the most important. If you can take care of the people, you'll get any job done. And I think that's one of the main focuses of the Leadership Academy as a, as a whole, you know, develop our people, invest in them so they become better leaders and they take care of everyone else that's underneath them. Mm-hmm. By the way, did you say in there you were in law enforcement too? In the Air Force, yes. Okay. Yeah. Was that like, was that military police? I think? Yes. So the Air Force doesn't technically have um, an infantry. Uh, mm-hmm. Security forces is the com- combination of three different career fields, um, law enforcement, uh, security, and well, for technically K nine, which is also a shred between law enforcement, and security, and then combat arms, where we train individuals to utilize their firearms. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what security forces is. Was security police and air police, and it's just molded over the the generations. And that career field, I could be doing law enforcement in one location, and then the next base I shift to, I could be doing missile security, nuclear oh, okay. weapons. So it just all depends. So you have to be dynamic. Yes, you do. Okay. And that was just a little tangent, mm-hmm. but, um, how, uh, in your job as emergency planner, how do you think you function differently after the course as opposed to before? Now I am a little bit more hands-off. I am accepting of the fact of giving people direction and letting them run with it. Mm-hmm. It's delegation. I am very much a hands-on person. If I can get something done, I've always felt I don't need to bother somebody else to do something that I can do myself. Yeah. But as a leader, I'm not supposed to do everything. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to have the 5,000 feet look overwatch of everything and delegate tasks and point people in the directions and trust them to do their job by investing in them to make sure that they are prepared to do that job in the first place. Mm-hmm. If they're not ready to do it by me not being able to take my hands off something that's saying I haven't prepared them. And if I haven't prepared them, that's my fault. So the dynamic has changed for me with some of the projects that I work on. I rely on my coworkers and my volunteers to do things that I felt that I necessarily had to have my hand on, but I, I, I don't. So I've learned to loosen the reins a little bit and actually be a leader and trust the people that I'm working with, that they're going to get the job done that I don't need to watch over them for anything. Hmm. That's really good, especially the first part about being um, not like bothering someone because I, I, I come, I've been like going through that too, like where, you know, we have for our website, we have uh, our photographer, Stephen Helfrich, who is incredible, by the way, for anyone listening, best photographer in Blackwood County. And I, it's like, I have to, honestly, sometimes it's like when it comes to like texting him, Hey, can you come out to this event? I have like, I get the feeling it's like, you know, I don't want to bother him if it's his day off of his other job, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, you know, it, 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 it's empowering, you know, to get him out to something. And I don't want, like, I, I probably should be more hands-on as opposed to like the um, alternative is me going with my iPhone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, oh, I can just do that myself. I don't want to you know grab him from whatever he's doing. But then you look at the website and my iPhone photos are not nearly as good as his produce photos of this nice camera. So it's, it's, you know, it's a better form of of leadership to involve everyone and let them, let them serve the end goal to the fullest of their abilities. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's, that's just what I thought of there. So um, what was it like working with specifically with former administrator Cameron? Because he, we had him on the show uh, maybe a couple months ago as Mm -hmm. a, a guest and he kind of, you know, if, if you, we're at that meeting um, for people listening. If you're at the June meeting, you would see as they were 
bidding him goodbye, how he was like this larger than life figure in the county. Everyone on the commission was just, you know, overflowing with praise for him. It was, it was a big, it was like a, a, a big event for Jerry. Everyone had nice things to say. So what was he like on that more personal level of just working with you in that course? So the interesting thing about Mr. Cameron, when I, I first met him um, well before uh, Leadership Academy, um, we were brought in to create a mission statement for the county. And it was a little task force that we had. And the first time I ever spoke to him, it was to disagree with his methods of how of what he, we were trying to do. Really? Yes. So I told him, I don't agree with that. <laughs> and everyone yeah. else was kind of just like, no, no, we agree with Mr. Karen. I'm like, no, I, I, I disagree with you, sir. And mm-hmm. um, I think that it was really funny because that, that lasted with him. And it's the first thing that he brought up when we were in the leadership academy. He said, Nealon challenged me right off the bat. You know, other people wouldn't have done that. And he said, well, if we're brought in as a group, you know, the whole idea is to not be a yes man. That's something else that we learned in the leadership academy. It's I'm not supposed to give you the answer that you want. I will give you the answer that you want if you want it, but I'm going to tell you what it's going to cost you. I'm going to tell you how it's wrong or what everything's going to do for you to get to a yes, but I'm not just going to tell you yes. Um, and Mr. Kramer really appreciates that. He appreciates the honesty. He says that if you ever paint him into a corner, um, a, a yes, and it's something that he can't do, then you're, then there's a problem. Mm-hmm. But he is a very um, compassionate individual. Um, he cares about all the people that work for him or work with him. Um, he's not going to steer you wrong. He really listens. He's empathetic. He is a larger than life individual, and it's it's uh it was great to get the chance to work with him and learn from him over those those few months. That that takes some guts. Like the first time you're working with someone who is who is definitely in a position of a uh, of leadership in their role to you know, to, to step out like that. It, but it, it's a good thing too, because if, you know, if you have someone on the team who feels like they can't challenge, you know, a, a figure of authority, it's like, you're not really getting the, the most out of them. It's like you, you can for a lot cheaper, just hire someone who says yes all the time. But if you're, you know, if, if you're going to work with someone who brings forth a skill set, it doesn't seem like there's much point in not letting them use it not letting them feel free to use it. I agree. Um, one of the things that you'll hear more about the Air Force is that, well, now the Space Force is the youngest of the of the bunch. But the Air, Force is, anymore. <laughs> yeah, the Air Force is 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 considered to be the, the teenager, the rebellious teenager. And if you ask officers from different branches, the one thing that they will tell you is that airmen question. Airmen will ask why. Um, not anything against soldiers, Marines, sailors, they do their job. Mm-hmm. If you tell them to do something, they're going to get it done. Airmen will get it done, but we are more likely to ask why, mm-hmm. why are we doing it this way? As opposed to something else, they are vocal about it. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I, I brought in. It's not disrespectful. It's not. And the whole question is that they air force nurtures that they want us to think outside the box and they want us to grow even though it's traditionally in the military sense it's you shut up and and follow your orders Mm -hmm. but that's an archaic style leadership it's and especially when you look at youth today kids are more likely to ask you why about something than they are just to do something Mm -hmm. and i think it's important to know that you can ask why and you can disagree and it seems like, and you would obviously know more about this than me, but maybe 
there's a connection between that culture and why you always hear about the Air Force being on the forefront of technology and developing is because, you know, it, the force would utilize the, um, the creativity and the inquisitiveness of all of its personnel. And that was just something I came up with there. Maybe it's... No, that's very, very true. Um, a lot of the processes change and will deviate. I mean, the Air Force was born from the Army, but the Air Force is so different from the Army because of the fact of how we have nurtured our people to take charge and, and own own processes and procedures. And we don't stick with the status quo. Just because something has always worked doesn't mean it can't be improved upon. Yeah, Absolutely. So, and by the way, I just thought of, this is another total tangent here, but when you said like airmen, sailors, what is the Coast Guard? What are they called? I'm not sure. I'm assuming they're Coast Guardmen. Guard, guardians? Guardians? <laughs> the Guardian, Air, uh, Space Force is Guardians, actually. Oh, yeah. are they? Yes, I believe I, they are. they're like cosmonauts. <laughs> well, that would be Russians, but. Oh, is it? Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> right after better yeah, I believe, this, um, I believe Space Force upset that the Guardians is, if Ooh. I'm not. I like that. Can look that up. We can Google it right here. It would not be the first time we Googled something on the show. Yep. Space Force Guardians. Airmen and Guardians are on active duty. Yep. That's so cool sounding though. Yeah. It's very Wait, what was the Coast Guard? Did you see it on there? Oh, no. Let's see. I can look that up. Coast Guards. It seems like it should be Guardians, but I guess if that's already, if the Space Force took that. Coast, Coastmen? No, that doesn't sound cool. They all, they have to sound cool. Coast Guardsmen. Coast Guardsmen? Yeah, really? Right, yeah. Huh. Or Coastie is an informal term. Coastie. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I don't want to... I'm not trying to knock the military. It's a little clunky. Coast Guardsmen. Yeah, but I mean, you know... Am you have trouble for that? No. I don't think so. I mean, it's the, you know, the, it's the same thing, but, you know, everyone tends to just refer to people in the military soldiers often enough, too. So those individual identities are, are kind of important to us. But if, you know... No one ever corrects you, or you never know. I mean, I haven't worked with any Coast Guardsmen to to really know that. Yeah, that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with you know everyone else. I've worked with sailors. I've worked with Marines, and I've worked with soldiers, airmen. But I never had a chance to work with the Coast Guard to to know. Yeah, for a fact. Yeah, they're Coast Guardsmen. Now, since you are still relatively young, have you thought about the Space Force since they made that? Yes, I have, and I'm. I understand the concept. I understand why they did it. But at the same time, I believe that I'm looking toward, towards the day that our military is just one force. There's, hmm. there, In my opinion, there's no reason for us to have several different branches when we have overlapping activities. Now, currently, and you can Google this, you can check this, but the Air Force is the only branch that can completely independently serve itself. They can refuel, they can rearm, they can travel, they can take their people anywhere else in the world. The rest of the branches require another branch of service to do that for them. Really? Um, but if you look at where, you know, eventually with the Imagine Space Force, the end goal is space travel. That's what everyone's looking for. But if you look at almost every, I guess, media-related uh, uh, title when we were, were talking about space travel and military, it's all Marines. It's all Navy. Mm-hmm. So I call spaceships, not, you know, craft. So everything is Navy. So eventually I'm certain that we're probably going to get to that point anyways, where it it's all just Navy and you have different branches and functions. Um, for me, I, I, I really don't see a need for the Space Force when the Air Force is already doing that mission. All they did was take a major command, space command, 
and just made it its own branch and started funneling people. They don't, they still currently don't have their own uniform. They just released their ranks and making their mottos and how they're going to train. Currently it's like, uh, uh, Actually, none of the other branches is because, I mean, the Marines have their own track. The Navy has their own track. The Army does. But now the Air Force is going to go in, do um, Air Force basic training, and then you get split off to either the Air Force or the Space Force. Hmm. Huh. Now, um, for one thing, I think the Space Force should have been called the Federation. <laughs> I think that was a missed opportunity. I mean, they, they, I mean, they basically took everything from. <laughs> <laughs> we would have had yeah, uniforms, uniforms right yeah. there. And no one would want to wear the red ones. Yep, no, but, uh, definitely uh, wouldn't. And especially me being security forces, that's what we'd end up wearing anyway. So. <laughs> oh, boy. But so is that a popular sentiment of people who served in the armed forces of seeing an end goal of uniting or consolidating into one just force? Because um, I haven't heard that before. I can't say that it, it's widely popular. But I think a lot of military and service members see that eventually happening. But the biggest problem that's preventing it is heritage. That mm. you don't want to lose, you know, your history. The Marine Corps, you know, two hundred and what, um, 25, 26 years. I don't know. If um, I know it was uh, just her birthday. Just her birthday two days ago. So over two hundred years of, of history um, for that branch alone. And you don't want to lose all that. But I think that there is a way to do it. And that's you can have a one force and you can have them split off as in within their career fields, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and just give them that heritage through their their service uniforms. Mm-hmm. Everyone can wear the same, you know, combat uniform, ACUs, BDUs, um, but for their dress uniforms, let them have that heritage for those individual branches. Okay, so keep but, the dress yeah, blues. Yeah, keep the dress thing. blues and, and stuff like that. And then so what, what's the real difference between an Air Force um, dental officer and an Army dental officer or um, uh, an infantryman from, um, I'll say the Air Force, security forces and infantrymen with the Army because we train the same. Mm-hmm. We utilize the same uh, operating systems and our, our basically our, our, our field book is the same thing as the Army. So there's significant overlap. There's significant overlap. So you can take those commonalities, those career fields, and just group those into um, – you know, that's how you split instead of being a career field, whatever branch track that you go into. Mm -hmm. And then you can just keep your heritage with your uniforms. Hmm. That is an interesting idea. I think it must save us a lot of money too. You might have to run for president. (laughs) I think that might be where it'd have to happen one day. But, um, no, you know, I was thinking too, is that space force, that might be your only chance to go into space. That's true. But I mean, you have all the other billionaires that are that are currently trying to get everyone else off the ground. So I guess you know, I just heard was it uh, a balloon can now also do the same thing. I know that Red Bull had done it at one point. But uh, oh, yeah, the guy who um, who jumped from mm-hmm. like, like you, you see that clip of him jumping and see the curvature Perfect. of the earth there yeah. and just fell for like 10 minutes or something yeah. crazy. I heard that there's another company that's doing that um, balloons to go into. Uh, yeah. Really? I've heard of crazy stuff like solar sails yeah. as a thing for, but that's like actual interstellar mm-hmm. travel when, when you're up there. Right there yeah. But uh, I mean, I definitely, I understand the point of why, you know, billionaires creating these, their space planes is a misuse of priorities when you own a medium sized country's worth of money. But, Agreed. Um, but there, there definitely is a part of me too. That's like, well, maybe this can be the stepping stone to some more, I guess, ethical ways of doing commercial space travel. And that's like really exciting. Yeah. Because like, no matter if I'm 85 years old, when it happens, drag me out there. I 
do want to go to space in my lifetime. That'd be amazing. I'll just stick to Mission Spacer now at Epcot. That's my, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's my, for being an airman, I, 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 I hate flying. <laughs> really? Yes. Just, is it because you've done it so much? No, it's just, for me, it's a lack of control. The fact, if I'm driving a car, I'm okay with that. But when I'm in a plane and I have, there's nothing I can do like that, that just terrifies me. There's three dimensions yes. to move yeah. around in. And yeah. that's, I mean, I was on the way driving here. I got stuck behind some old man in a Corvette Stingray who was driving erratically. So that makes me wonder about if people got like flying cars or something. Uh, you'd hear explosions like you hear planes flying overhead of yeah. people just constantly wrecking. So yeah. they'd have to probably have the safety a little bit. Probably go to automation, but then automation has its own problems. Yeah. It's hackable. They, they, they would probably have to be somehow entirely self-piloting, mm-hmm. like completely self-piloting, and still somehow be immune to, like you are saying, like hacking, for that to really be feasible. Mm-hmm. So maybe the whole, you know, Back to the Future 2 thing <laughs> might not be totally feasible. No. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely glad I got to trash talk that Corvette guy in the show. I was like, <laughs> I need a chance to do that. I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of those here driving around in Flagler County. Oh, God. Yeah, definitely. If you're going to move to Flagler County, people come here driving from New York. Mm-hmm. They, It's like my mother is from New York, and she drives like it. It's like you get up there. Like, have you ever driven in, like, the really hilly parts, like other parts of the country? Mm-hmm. If people driving up and down hills, it's just a different skill set. It is. It and they drive on flat ground like they drive on hills. I was just in um, Colorado for the first time back in August, and I was like, So I have to come down this steep hill and immediately make a right turn as I get to the bottom of it. It was, I, I was not the world's best driver out there. I'm not used to elevation, it's difficult. Yeah, my family, I was born in Brooklyn, and we drive 95. I uh, know 95 like the back of my hand. So we drive from here all the way up to Brooklyn and Albany and, and, and stuff. So you're driving at those uh, those hills and those types of roadways. That's definitely a skill set that you have to acquire. Beautiful drive. Yes. Though. I've done that before too. It's just amazing. So, so you're uh, living in New York. Are you Mets or Yankees? Um, family's Yankees. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So am I. So is my family. I When I was a kid, I tried to be a Marlins fan living in Florida, and my mother just didn't allow no, it. it. It's like, no, no, not happening. In retrospect, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. It would be very, a lot of pain <laughs> being a Marlins fan. But um, so anyway, um, shifting gears again, in working for the emergency, emergency planning, what are some services that your department offers to the community that they might not know about, they can take advantage of? Uh, one thing that I can definitely throw out here is a program that I manage called the Special Needs Registry. Mm-hmm. So Florida is a little bit different with this registry. Not every state has this. It's a list that is mandated by Florida statutes that local counties at the county level have to um, keep. And it's basically a registration for people who have special medical needs or just transportation issues if in the event of emergency evacuation. Mm-hmm. Certainly our, fa- our county has burned down to the ground like twice and everyone has had to evacuate. Oh, yeah. um, it is very important that people sign up for this list. And basically what it allows us to do is work with the Department of Health and assess each individual that's on this list. If they just need transportation, the county will come up, pick them up, and we can't help you if we don't know. And then for those individuals who have, uh, whether it's 
you know, they have electrical dependency or oxygen dependency, medication that requires refrigeration or those types of things we can help arrange to know where we need to send people during an emergency. If it's just old age and they can't get on the ground to lay down, okay, then we'll probably get them a special needs cot and put them in a general population shelter. If it's that they require oxygen and electricity, then we have a special needs um, shelter that is run by the DOH. And then if they're acute medical needs, then we look to either evacuate them out of the county or we try to get them into a hospital um, to ride out the situation. That could be for anything. We're all hazard preparedness. We're not just focused on hurricanes. It's wildfires, floods, tornadoes, all that stuff. Avalanches. Yeah, well, we, you know, we have to think that that would be very crazy for us to have an avalanche here somewhere. But I, I, I guess, I mean, technically an avalanche just, you know, falling debris. So if you're out on the dunes, the dunes start toppling over. I mean, heck, that's an avalanche. That's a good point. Yeah. I think when we had um, Jonathan Lord on here, I think I made that same exact yeah. joke. <laughs> I'm thinking back to it. Is he is he the same department as you, by the way? Yeah, he's my boss. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Jonathan's the best. Yeah. He was the first. When we started doing this as a weekly show, he was mm-hmm. the first guest we had on. And I, I always... If there's any kind of crazy storm coming, I'm always calling up Jonathan to consult when I write something about it. So he is the best. But uh, I did not know about that that service. So how would someone engage with that? Is it an online thing? Yep. Um, so you can create your own online account through Everbridge, the same system that we use for Alert Flagler. And you can go to flaggercounty.com, sorry, .gov slash emergency. And you can look for the... Uh, um, special needs registry page and you can print out a form and mail it to us or you can sign up right there online and create an account and a manager account and we mirror the the paper form with what's on online so as soon as you're going down and you're answering the questions everything is word for just down the list for the paper copy as well so we take that information if you send us the paper we will input it ourselves and we will contact you and make sure that we contact everyone on that list a minimum twice a year Okay. So right now, I believe we have over 500 people on the registry, and I have a team of volunteers that work with me and make phone calls to every 500 one, one of those people every six months at the minimum. Wow, that's uh, that's really awesome. I like I said, I had no idea about that. When I I try to ask some form of that question to people mm-hmm. who work in like government services mm-hmm. on the show, and I'm always surprised by the answer. It's always something I had no clue about. Yeah. So that's really cool. And um, with that, I believe that would be our show. Neil, and thank you so much for coming on. Are there any any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, um, thank you for having me on the show. And again, uh, I think it's really important that everybody stays prepared for emergencies year round. Again, we are a whole hazards preparedness county. So be ready for anything. Visit flaggercounty.gov slash emergency and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EOC or Flagler EOC and just get information, stay in the know. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks a bunch. Thanks so much.